Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. It's a great pleasure to be here this morning to minister the word of the Lord. Before I start, I want to thank Pastor, uh, Brother Jakes, Brother Lenny, the, the, oh, I had about six bodyguards here. Everywhere I went, these guys. Would be the best one was Lenny. He's the biggest one of them all. I mean, he, I said, baby, you can go with me anywhere I go. <laughs> for your love, for your care for me, I thank you very much. <clears throat> After being here three or four days, I've learned to love this group of people. Amen. A part of the family I didn't, didn't know. Because you're sensitive to the things of the Lord. We've gone through problems. We've gone through situations. Life is tough. But the Lord. He has brought us this far. Never let the devil accuse you of what you did. God has forgiven you. Just arise with power. And joy. And know that the, the Lord goes before you. I was dealing with, Pat, with uh, Ecuador. I'm supposed to leave Tuesday morning for Ecuador. And they scheduled me to do a couples conference at 7 o'clock. And they don't realize that I don't get in there until 10.51 p.m. <laughs> so, so now they're trying to change the ticket to Monday. So my wife is not a happy camper. Because I get in there tonight and tomorrow morning, I'm out again. So y'all pray for me. <laughs> oh Lord. <clears throat> but everything, God is in control of everything. This morning I would like to share a word with you. The people of Israel are having a hard time. They're going through famine. And I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18 and follow me there. <clears throat> and the Bible says that King Ahab, he was kind of ticked off. And when he saw the prophet Elijah, he says, listen, you troublemaker. Are you the one that's causing all this trouble for us? Are you the one that's messing with us? We always have the ability to blame somebody else. Adam blamed the wife. Lord, is the wife you gave me. No, dummy, it was you. Because if you would have taken care of business, you would have told that woman, woman, get over here. Get away from that tree. It wasn't Eve. It was the man that messed up. I know, man, I didn't get one amen from one man. <laughs> it was man who messed up. It was the man that messed up. It wasn't Eve. That's why you got to take care of your household. You got to check your wife. You got to check your children. You got to see where they're going, why they're happy, why this. If your wife is sad, find out why she's sad. Something is wrong. She's got a toothache or a headache or you're the headache. <clears throat> Something is wrong. You check it up. And the king Ahab tells the, the, the prophet, man, you're the troublemaker and you're the one that's causing us all the trouble. But listen to what the prophet answers in verse 18. First King chapter 18, verse 18. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah re replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commandments and have followed the Baals. He went on to say in verse 21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people, like everybody else, said nothing. You know, when you're, when you're accused of, 
Why do you say nothing? <laughs> so he says, we need to do something about this. He says, let's do something. Let's create an altar. He told King Ahab, you go get your prophets to put up an altar. And I'm going to build an altar. And you guys are going to pray to the God of Baal. And the God that answers with fire, that's whom we're going to serve. And they said, you got a deal. And the Bible says they went, the prophets of Baal built this altar. They started worshiping and sacrificing to the point that they were cutting themselves and there was blood all over the place. That was their way of calling on their gods. But by 12 o'clock in the afternoon, no answer. And the prophet starts to make fun of them. Hey, maybe your God is out on vacation. Maybe he left town. Scream a little bit louder because he's not hearing you. And the Bible says that they went crazy. Finally, when it was his turn around six o'clock that evening, the prophet calls the people of Israel and says, get around me. And he went ahead and built this, the altar, 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. And he killed an animal and put it on top. And he said, bring me some water and build a trench around the altar. And put some water on it. He says, get me some more water. Four times they came back. Says that there was water all around, a big puddle of water around it. Everything was drenched in water. Those 12 stones represent the different tribes. He was doing the altar according to the order of the Lord. And, I, and Abraham, uh, the prophet Elijah goes before his altar. And he says, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you are the Lord and that you are turning their hearts back to them. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned the sacrifice, burned the wood, burned the stone, burned the soil, and licked up all the water in the trenches. When God does something in your life, he burns everything out. He does a complete job. That's why you don't have to, oh, brother, you know, I did 1939, I did this. It's been burned by the power of God. Stop looking back. You cannot drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. You're going to crash. All things have passed away. Everything is new. Sure, you got to suffer the consequences of some of the decisions that you made. Some of the problems, that, that's the decision. But God has forgiven you. I was telling them yesterday, you know, I was, I was with the Italian family and I did a bunch of crazy stuff and hurt people. And when the Lord called me to the ministry and he forgave me, it took me four years to comprehend and to understand that I was forgiven. Because in my mind I would say, there's no way that God can use me. How can I get on? You know, I came from a Spanish church, real Pentecostal, you know, <laughs> hardcore Pentecostal church. How, can, how am I going to, I can't, I'm not going to get on that pulpit. When I get on that pulpit, lightning's going to come from heaven and go kill me. I'm getting on there. Man, a dirty sinner like me, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. Can't, that's only for people that are pure, pure, people that are perfect. God never picks pure people. He always picks all the freaks, all the crazies, all the drug addicts, all the prostitutes, all the worst people that he can find. 
because they got tenacity to get out there and get it done. You don't believe that? Look at Paul's life, a murderer. He enjoyed killing people for the sake of Christ. <laughs> that was a bad dude. <clears throat> and one day reading the word, I find out that Paul, this guy was a murderer. This guy did this. He says, Fabi, take Fabi. She helped me. She gave me money. She fed me. She's good. You can take it. But this other one, don't take this guy. He's a gossip. He's a jerk. Don't take that one. Don't take that one. Watch this one. This guy's a traitor. This one doesn't have any experience. So don't let the enemy put in your mind that you're no good. Now, the reason why we're having so many problems today is because in our lives, our altar is not built correctly. And so this morning, I would like to talk to you about repairing the altar of the Lord. When you see, when we talk about these broken stones, we're talking about the root problem that Israel had because they had turned their back to God. When you're running problems in your home, always there's something wrong that we're not doing. Oh, we blame the husband, we blame the wife, we blame the school, we'll blame the preacher, we'll blame everybody else, but that's the condition that we find America in today. Our altar in America is destroyed and we're expect, exper experimenting drought spiritually in our homes, in our family, in our marriages, in our schools, in our church, in the government. It's just a big mess. The Democrats blame the Republicans. The Republicans blame the Democrats. The liberals, they don't know who to blame. They blame everything on everybody else. The big church blames the little one and the little one blames the big church. Mama blames daddy and daddy blames mama. The kids blame papa and papa blames the kids. Everybody's blaming everybody and the problem is, say me. When you have the altar broken, that's the root of all the problems. That was the problem of this nation. They were going through calamity. They were going through famine. It was dry. There was no rain. Nothing was growing. They were having a hard time. One of the causes of a broken altar in our society today is that we have removed prayer and the Bibles from the school. Folks, you got to understand that everything that, it, that is or exists was done for Jesus, by Jesus, in Jesus, and through Jesus. In other words, he is the crazy glue that holds everything together. And when you take Jesus out of the equation, everything falls apart. This is a, a, a pulpit. But that pulpit is comprised of molecules that you can't see. You see just the actual shape in the wood. Well, those molecules are held together by Jesus. So if I took Jesus out of that pulpit, that pulpit will crumble like powder on the floor. Amen. Because everything the Bible says is sustained by him. You know, just because you got a degree, you know, some people have more degrees than a thermometer. It don't make no difference. <laughs> it's all held together because of the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord's doing. It's not my, it's the Lord's doing. Prayer is a powerful weapon. And you have to do an inventory check this morning and say, have I stopped praying? Do I pray like I used to pray when I first came to the Lord and I was in the first love? Do we, one of those, do, we do one of these drive-by uh, prayers, you know, drive-through, uh, let me have a number six, a number three, and a four, and a coke. Boom, and you're gone. 
Or do you pray like a lot of people that come to the Lord with a big list? Lord, I need this, I need that, I need that, blah, 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 blah. And they get up and they leave. And when the Lord gets up to see who was praying, where is she? She's gone. Because we don't have the time to wait. We pray prayers that are bread prayers. My, I don't know why the Lord gave that to my wife. She, he should have given it to me. I'm the head of the house. But he gave it to my wife. She says, bread prayers. You know what a bread prayer is? A bread prayer is, Father, I need money to eat. I need money to pray to, to pay my rent. I need clothes. I need this. Those are prayer. The Bible tells you that God will give you everything you need daily. It's done. Stop asking for something that he already knows you need that he's going to give you. Instead of doing that, why don't you pray powerful prayers? Spiritual warfare prayers. Your husband is acting up. Instead of start confessing that he's a jerk, that he's this, that he's the other, he's a womanizer, he's a drunk, why don't you get up in the morning, wife, and you start praying something like, because that's what my wife did for me. <laughs> and you, know, you, know, you ever remember that commercial, Ring Around the Collar? <laughs> I used to come with heat around the collar. I said, okay, 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 stop praying, enough. I, I, I got it, I got it. <laughs> she would get up in the morning and start like this. Father, I thank you for John's life, because he is a man of prayer. He is a man of the word. He's a head, he's not the tail. Everything he touches prospers. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He's a man of God. The anointing of God. Start calling those things that are not as though they were. That's how you pray. Father, I bring little Johnny to you. He's around the wrong company. And I ask that the angel of the Lord camping around and about him. Father, close his ears to all that bad news. Don't let him see the garbage of the devil. But open his eyes. Give him spiritual witness. Give him the mind of Christ. Let him see that he can do all things through Christ. Stop calling your son an idiot. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. My son, he's just as dumb as his father. Well, you were the one that picked his father, you know. <laughs> you start saying your son is a moron, he's a dummy, he's stupid, he's this, he's the other, and that kid will become 35, 40 years old, and all you have is a stupid 35-year-old because that's what you confess. And the Bible says that what comes out of your mouth, you're going to enjoy, good or bad, you're going to deal with it. Change your prayer life. When was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you prayed for good health? You know, I go to bed every night. You know, I'm 70. And I go to bed every night. Father, I thank you because my body is healed. That pain in the knee is a lie of the devil. You got no business hanging. Get lost. My blood pressure, you come down. <laughs> I got to stop eating pizza and meatball sandwich and all that stuff too. You know, you got to do your part. <laughs> but I declare the healing of God over my life. I pray for my wife. I pray for my, my girls, for my two boys, my two grandsons, for my son-in-law. And I go to sleep and pee. People, brother, did you sleep last night? Of course, I, I sleep like a Christian, man. Like I, say, I, I sleep like a saved Christian. You, I, don't, I was <laughs> talking to Lenny this morning. I don't go, I hear people that say, Brother, pray for me. I said, what's the problem? Last night I went to sleep and I had this, this dream. There was, there was this guy with a, with a machete chasing me all over the house and this truck was coming upon me and I saw this ugly head of a demon coming at me. What, what have you been doing during the day that you get dreams like that? I know you didn't bring a hundred people to the foot of Christ. That the devil says, I got to get even with this lady. 
it's the junk that we read, that we see, the movies, and all the stuff that was going on in our lives. When was the last time you prayed? Mark, Mark 11, 23, 24 says, Truly I tell you, if anyone... Look at your neighbor, it says anyone. That means you. Doesn't say the preacher, the apostle. Doesn't say the guy with the degree. Doesn't say the guy that knows how to pray. It says anyone... Says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And does not doubt in their what? In their heart. But believes that what they say will happen, it will be done of them. Therefore I tell you, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. If you speak, here's the key, to talk. Well, the Lord knows everything I need. No, he don't. He wants you to tell him. He says, ask of me. Those that call upon my name. If I speak, 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 I say, I talk to the mountain, to your problem. And I don't doubt in my heart that what I said, said, said. What I say will come to pass. You see, the, 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 the key to this is that when you start speaking to the Lord and you start praying with the word and you say, Father, you said that by your stripes, I was healed. And I need that healing to be manifested. What happens is your faith level starts to arise because faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word. Not belly aching. Not crying. No, no, no. By the word. Creates faith in you. And as your faith starts to rise, you're basically giving God your address so that he can step into your situation and bring that healing to you. Because God is moved by his word. God is not moved by your tears. God is not moved by your bendito Señor. Oh my God, help me, Jesus. No, 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 no. He's moved by his word. That's why the enemy tries to steal the word from you. Because if he's got you in, with the word, he, he's, you're done. By the word. So you preach, you, you pray the word. Another situation that we're exper experimenting is that we accept sin and do nothing about it. There are things, folks here today doing things that 10 years ago in the church you wouldn't even dream of doing or saying or going to. You wouldn't allow your daughter or your son to dress that way 10, 15 years ago. We accept it. Abortions, adultery, alcoholism, child abuse, homosexuality. I go to churches, that is crazy. The homosexuality in the church. Choir directors. Guys up here. Hi, y'all. Give me a break. It's not cute. It's demonic. Well, the Lord understands. Yeah, the Lord understands that if he doesn't repent, or she doesn't repent from lesbianism, she's going to go to hell. You got to call sin, sin. Sin is not what you call it. Sin is what the Bible calls sin. Divorce, homosexuality, drug abuse, gambling, living together, unmarried. If you're here and you've been living together and you've been living for a couple of years, get to the preacher and tell them, preacher, fix this thing up for us and let's get married. Get it right. Why do you want to live in sin? I mean, you were living, you've been living with that yo-yo for now for five years and you should know better than this. Just get married, get it over with. <laughs>
The new, the new sports game is pornography in the church. Do you know that 35% male and female are into pornography in the, in the church? Hidden in their rooms, they go to their c- computers and they play games and they watch all this junk. Guys want their wives to perform like the prostitute that he saw in pornography. Woman pushing lesbianism. That's one of the hardest sins to get rid of. Because you really have to have an attitude to say, I'm going to change this junk. Suicide. Television and movie without control. We watch all kind of crazy movies. I'm not against you watching a movie. But you have to see how many exes. If you got to get a counter to count the exes on that movie, you got no business in that theater. I remember as a Christian, as a boy, man, going to, this, to the movies, you was going to hell. If the movie was here, you cross the street so they won't even catch you going by it. But today we're Christians. We don't go to the movies. We bring the movies home. <laughs> and we watch garbage in our house. And we expel demons and foul spirits in our house. And then your children can't sleep at night. Mommy, 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 I saw something in my room. They can't. It's the demonic force that you put into that home. What kind of cartoons are your children wearing, uh, seeing? Everything is the force. Everything is fighting. Everything is breaking. Everything is killing. Have you noticed that kids come to church? Kids in the morning, Saturday morning, they're watching cartoons. And they sit in the sofa. They're watching cartoons. You're in your bedroom. And you say, let me go check these kids out because it's been two hours, two and a half hours. They're not making no noise. Not. You guys all right? Yeah, mommy. Okay. They come to church. And five minutes later, mommy, I got to go to the bathroom. Mommy, I got to do this. Mommy, I can't stand still. They can't stand still. What are you allowing your kids? My, my grandkids, one is 10, 12 and the other one is 19. But both the 19 when he was younger and the, the 12-year-old, I'll be flipping through a channel. And I'll stop on something. He'll go, Papa, I can't see that. I'm not supposed to be watching that. Change it. Because his mother has taught him what to see and what not to see. You're watching a movie and they're not doing a sexual act, but they give the appearance that they're going to go into that. And your kid is looking at that. And eventually he thinks or she thinks that that is cool. And when she's 15, 16, 17 years old, she goes, and that's what she saw in your house. And then you blame the devil. And the devil has nothing to do with it. It was you that opened the door for that foul spirit to attack your kid. We're talking about repairing the altar. Violence. Movie of violence. Revelations 3 verses 15 and 16 says, I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Another uh, translation says, I am going to vomit you. In other words, God looks at you and he goes, Bleh. Brother, but I speak in tongues. Bleh. The devil speaks in tongues too. The devil knows more Bible than you and I put together. The effects of a broken altar. No rain, no blessing. Have you been going where there's no blessing? 
You barely have enough to get along and to go. You make coffee, you got to save the grains for the next day so you can make another cup of coffee with the same grains because things are tight. You got to always be penny pinching because that's not the blessing of God is not running. But Father, you said that if I would give... Listen, it's not only tithing and giving offerings to the Lord. It's a lifestyle of living holy before the Lord. And when I tell you holy before the Lord, I'm not talking about that you got to walk around like you got wings on the back of your back flying all over the place. You know, people look at me and say, oh, brother, you're such a young, beautiful man of God and your wife. Hey, when I'm home, you know, I don't run around. My dear servant of the Lord, can you give me some orange juice? No, no, you crazy. And I get up in the morning, I go to the kitchen, I see mom over there and I go by her. whoop Hey, mama, give me some orange juice. I know, I'm a pervert, not you. You guys, you guys are all saints, holy. Yeah. Do you think that when I get home, my wife is in a deep consecration, in a deep fasting. When I, no way, baby. If she is, I'm going to cast that devil out of her. <laughs> you live a normal life. You enjoy your wife. You enjoy your husband. You enjoy your kids. I got a lot of talking to do because my ticket, they're going to change it from Tuesday to tomorrow. That means I'm home tonight only and tomorrow morning I'm gone again all week. Usually I'll go home, I'll take my kids to eat at night, my wife, we'll have a good time. The next day I take off. Not this week. <laughs> no rain. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. And what happens is you get your house full of anxiety, worry, death, difficulties, divorce, doubt, fear, guilt, loneliness, Violence, lack of peace, lack of love, sickness, suffering, tribulation. You've been living with your husband and you don't know each other. It's been six months you haven't touched her or he's touched you. Live in separate rooms, separate beds. We come to church grabbed by the hand. And when we get home, we grab her by the hair. <laughs> So put on. But God knows where you're at. He knows that your altar is destroyed and it has to be rebuilt. People, don't let the enemy fool you. Please, whatever you do, man, wake up and smell the roses. The enemy is trying to kill you. God is not asking you to live a perfect, holy life. He's saying that everything that you do, let it bring honor and glory to God. Don't go do the things the way the world does it. Do it right. Be honest. Pay your taxes. Get to see. <laughs> Come on. I was preaching at a black church and the bishop is behind me. And every time I hit a subject that he knew it was hot, he said, stay there, bishop, stay there, stay there, stay there. Hit that thing again. <laughs> you know, you can pay tithes and give large offerings and you can have a first class seat in hell because you can't buy your way in. The 
only reason you tithe and you give is because I love the Lord and I want to bless him because he's blessed me because it all belongs to him. He wants you to live a good life. He doesn't want you praying and fasting 10 days, praying five hours a day. He wants you to fast and he wants you to pray decent and in order because he's looking for you to obey. He's not looking for sacrifice. A restoration must take place. Jeremiah 20, 24, 7 says, And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and that they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Listen, just because your altar is down doesn't mean that God hates you. God loves you. He's for you. He's telling you, Mama, come back. Baby, come back. Son, come back. I'm not mad at you. I just want you to get your act together. See, that's where the enemy comes in and he tricks us. Well, brother, you know, I haven't, I haven't prayed in six months. And you come here and you try to raise up your hands when the director says, raise your hands and praise the Lord. And you try, goes down <coughs> because the enemy tricks you. He brings and accuses you of what you did a week ago, two weeks ago. So you made a mistake. So what? You think you're the first one to make a mistake? So what do you do? Father, forgive me. Forgive me for what I just did. Father, I talked about the past. Father, forgive me. I'm sorry. I criticized sister so-and-so. Father, forgive me. Get it taken care of right away. Don't let no grass grow under your feet. Right now, I'm, forgive me, Lord. I judged. I keep on walking, knowing that God is for you. It's time to restore the family altar. Restore the prayer. A family that prays together stays together. Men, learn how to pray. Learn how to pray for your wife. Wife, don't expect your husband to do one of these Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, pew-jumping prayers. <laughs> you know, most wives, my husband don't pray. God did not create him like that. God created him that he speaks 20,000 words a day and you speak 30. So he's going to talk less than you do. And if you want him to pray for the dinner, don't tell him at dinner time. Tell him the day before. Tomorrow we're having a dinner and I'm going to have you pray for the dinner so you can get ready. And the prayer might be, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's go. And you praise the Lord for that. There's some men that can pray longer. It's difficult for men sometimes to express themselves. Why do you think in churches prayer groups are comprised of women? Because they pray on forever, man. They can talk, pray. <laughs> Seriously. You know, if I came to you today and I said, ladies and gentlemen, I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is that Pastor Isaac is in the ICU and he needs prayer. And I'm going to ask the ladies of this church to arise and stand on your feet and I want you to call upon the Lord for Pastor Isaac's healing. They'll all get up. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, you brought, raised them up as a little boy here with his daddy and his brothers, all five of them. Father, you know, one of them plays the organ. The other one does this. The other one is pastoring over there. And Father, you took them to Dallas to DB. Dead beats. No, I mean Dallas Baptist. <laughs> I had to get that in. <laughs> and today you brought them here. And they'll pray 20 minutes, 30 minutes for the healing of the pastor. And that's great and dandy. Good prayer. 
I say, okay, ladies, sit. I want the men to get up. And I want the men to pray for the pastor. And the men will get up and they'll go, Father, we thank you because your Bible, the Bible says that by his, your stripes, pastor is healed. So we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. And they sit down. Both prayers are effective. That's why women say, he, never, he, never, he doesn't talk. When I want to talk to him, he shuts up. He don't want to talk. And the guy says, she never shuts up. She's always yak, 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 yak. That's the way God created us. So learn to negotiate and get a balance so there's peace in the home. We must repent. Must take place. We must ask the Lord to forgive us. Repent from worldliness, from sin. Things that we never used to do, today we do. Repentance from idolatry. Idol worshiping. Brother, I don't, I, don't, I don't have La Guadalupe in my house. I don't have none of that stuff. I don't have no statue. We worship other gods. We worship our 40-inch TV because there's a game coming so I can't go to church. And your TV becomes an idol. My little girl, she's beautiful and she's cute and I don't want to get a, I don't want to take her to church because it's raining. Well, you went to work all week and it was raining. It becomes, she becomes an idol. I got to stay home and fix my car. We don't come to church Sunday because we got to fix our car. It becomes an idol. We have passions that are out of whack. Indifferences. Our children are going crazy. Games, work. Facebook. Mm, where's, where's my brother with the camera? Mm, mm. You go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do is in the middle of the night. It's an idol. Is this bad? No. You just have to learn how to use it. Our kids are getting lost in pornography sites, in junk. We're raising a generation that has strong fingers and weak knees because they don't pray. And it's not the young generation. It's the old folks. I see old folks that can't even talk English. We create idols that we don't even know. And the enemy uses that to bring us down. Well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to watch Brother Ron Parson here. Ron Carpenter, I'm going to watch it here. Pastor, I'll send you my tithing check next month. I'm going to watch it downstreaming. It becomes an idol. There must be a rededication to the Lord. We need to revive those things that are dead. You used to praise the Lord and enjoy it. You used to cry in the presence of the Lord. Today they got to squeeze you like an orange to get one teardrop out of you. You're not sensitive anymore to the things of the Lord. Our marriages are dried up. There's no love. You live with him because you got no other choice. If you can get a refund, you send them back home. (laughs) 
there was a survey done for pastors. And they, were, they asked the pastors, if you can divorce your wife and not lose your credentials and not lose your church, would you divorce your wife? This is 500 preachers they did this to. All 500 said, I'll do it. They asked the wives, if you can divorce your husband without him losing the church, no scandal, everything is cool, they'll keep him there. Would you, where, do, where do I sign? Because we dedicate our lives to the church, to the ministry of the church, praying and fasting and prayer groups, doing all kind of crazy things for God that God doesn't expect you to do because you're trying to do it for sacrifice and God is not pleased with that no matter how much you pray. When your, your priority number one is your relationship with God and the next priority is your wife and your kids. What do you gain if you gain this whole city and you, lose, and you lose your kids? You wasted your time. Revive those things that are dead. Accelerate them. Activate them. Intensify. Investigate. Demand and put things in order. When you leave in the morning from your house, pray. They say that if your day is hemmed up in prayer more than likely it's not going to unravel during the day pray get up in the morning you don't have to do a big old prayer. father I get in your car you pick up guys you get in your truck father I thank you for this day protect me protect my wife my kids I thank you in Jesus name Vroom, go to work Let's get some Holy Ghost insurance woman you're at the house you're praying well you can pray a little bit longer father I pray for and I thank you for my day, for my husband. Father, protect them. Don't let no Jezebel come around him. Father, call, call. you can pray all you want. <clears throat> when you see a couple of stones laying around the altar, that means that there are things, symbols of forgotten, of forgotten God, things that we dropped, that we used to do, that we don't do no more. It seems unimportant. It's not important to get to church on time. Yes, it is. If God cannot trust you in getting here on time, how do you expect him to trust you with the things of value? Think about it. I've been to church as pastor. I get there 10, 15 minutes early. The service starts, let's say, at 7. And at 7.20, the pastor still hasn't gotten there. Then he tells me, brother, pray for the people. See if you can get. I don't have to pray for the people. I gotta pray for you. Catch that demon of irresponsibility out of you and laziness and this organization you got in you. You're the problem because the people become like the priest. You can remember a time when you was very close to the Lord when you first came to the Lord. You were sensitive to the Lord. You read the Word every day. A couple of verses. You prayed. You loved everybody. And now, hmm. And with this, I'm finished. A pastor was talking to a lady in the church. And she said, Pastor, I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. And I want it back. The pastor asked her, Where did you lose it? Hmm. She replied, That has nothing to do with it. I just want you to help me get my peace back and my joy back. The pastor insisted, but where did you lose it? He asked. She said, I don't want to talk about it. 
Finally, after a while, she finally gave it up and she says, well, I lost it when I moved in with my boyfriend. Folks, listen to what I'm going to tell you. You young ladies, you young men that are here, the minute you step into sin, you're going to lose your joy, you're going to lose your peace, and if you're not careful, you're going to lose your salvation. God is not going to bless or honor sin. Mommy, but you don't love me. You don't want to give it up because you don't love me. He's an agent from the pit of hell trying to abuse you, young lady. Don't let him intimidate you. And not only the young girls, some of the older ladies. <laughs> older ladies, that's wrong. That's <laughs> the politically corrected. The more mature ladies, excuse me. Playing games, knowing better, knowing better. But don't tell me that you didn't know. Don't tell me it was love at first sight. That's a bunch of baloney. Because cousin demon saw you over there and your cousin demon with him because those two demons are alike. They winked at each other and before you know you're in bed with him. It's a trick of the enemy to confuse you. Ladies, God created you to be feminine. To be soft spoken. To be beautiful. God created you like that. Be feminine. He didn't create you to, you know, marry Joe. <laughs> no, no, no. He's be feminine, be beautiful. Guys, God created you to be men that know how to handle the gift that God gives you. You're a gentleman. You can be tough and be tender. You can be soft-spoken. That doesn't mean you're a wimp. It shows God that you know how to respect what he has given you. Sin will always cause you to lose your joy and your peace. If your altar is destroyed, God is not mad at you. God is not upset. He wants you to get your altar fixed. He wants you to repair it. Come back to him and say, Lord, forgive me. And today I'm going to start. It's like the lady that came to my father back in Brooklyn. She started crying. She said, Pastor Juan, last night the Lord brought conviction upon me because I'm the biggest gossiper in this church. I talk about you, your wife, your kids, everybody. And the Lord told me to lay my tongue on the altar and give it up. My dad, who was a cut-up, I kind of, <laughs> he said, ma'am, wait, 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 wait. Because your tongue is so long, I'm going to have to build three pulpits, this big platform to lay it. God is not looking for you to put your tongue on the altar. He's looking for you to put your heart on the altar. Your heart. Because when the love of God abides in your heart, you see a fault in another lady, in another young girl, in a guy. And instead of criticizing, because you have love, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. That's why the prodigal son, when the father saw him, he took his coat off and wrapped him up. Why? Because he was full of pig dung and smelly like a pig out of the pig pen. And he says, I don't want my, my neighbors to see my boy like that, so I'm going to cover him. And the father says to you this morning, I will cover you with my grace, with my love. I don't want the people to see you like that. I will cover you. And while he covers you, the blood of Christ is washing you away. Nothing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing, 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 nothing but the blood, the blood, the blood. 
And he says to, the, to his helper, here, come here. Give me a pair, of, a pair of shoes for this kid. Why? Because only slaves walked around and barefooted. And he was no longer a slave to sin. He was a son of the king. That's my boy. Then he tells him, come here. He takes his ring off. Puts a ring on his finger. The ring had the initial of the daddy's logo or the daddy's name on it. And in those days, when you did a deal, you bought something, they would take wax, melt it on the invoice or on the contract, and they would take the ring and go like this. Stating that that seal is responsible for that invoice. And Jesus tells you this morning, I will put a ring on your finger and that ring will pay for everything because this is your credit card. <laughs> I've paid it all. Ask of me and I'll give it to you. He loves you. Let's stand, please. I'm going to make two callings. Number one, for salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've gotten away from the things of the Lord for whatever reason. Or you came in this morning for the first time, somebody invited you, and you say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with the Lord. I need to come back home. Now listen to what I'm asking you. When I say for you to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, I'm not asking you to join this church to become a religious fanatic. I'm not asking you to join this organization. I'm asking you to receive the person of Jesus as your personal Savior. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. If there's someone in there, and I will pray for you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. You're raising your hand to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Bless you. Someone else. Bless you, my brother. Listen, let me tell you something so you, you have this clear in your head. Starting with the pastor, all the way down to me, one day all of us had to raise our hand to receive Jesus. If anybody judges you, they're worse than you are. And they need to repent. So don't worry about anybody judging you or looking at you. I don't want this. No, 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 no. This is between you and God. Is there anyone else that says, Pastor, pray for me? Anyone else? God bless you, my brother. God bless you. The Bible says the violent take it by force. Bless you, sister. Someone else. Someone else that raised. Bless you, my brother. Bless you, sister. Someone else. Bless you. You don't have to be in the mud. You don't have to be like the prodigal son. He said, I will arise and I'll go back to my father's house. And I will tell him I have sinned against heaven and you. Please make me a, a servant. And the father said, what are you, nuts? I'm going to make you a servant. You're my son. And Jesus today tells you this morning, come back. I'll make you a son. I'll make you a daughter. Anyone else? Anyone else? Bless you, my brother. Bless you, sister back there. Okay, here's what I want you to do real quick. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come up here. I want to pray for you. You're not going to say nothing. You're not going to talk. You're not going to testify. Don't sweat it. Just, just come up here real quick. If you raise your hand, come up. Take that second walk of faith. The, you know, the prodigal said, I will arise and I will go. And he got up and he went. You raise your hand now. Do the second. Come on. Come on. <coughs> some of these are re receiving Jesus. Some are rededicating their lives. I remember when I was mixed up with the mob and I was going crazy 
that I was playing the sax in the corner. Uh, I was at this end of the platform. And I was standing up against the wall with my foot up against the wall and my sax I was playing. Uh, I'm a jazz player. <laughs> and, and I was playing, you know, with all the songs in the church. And I heard an audible voice that says, kneel down. And I looked back and it was just a sheetrock wall. And it scared me. But my mom always used to warn us, we're going to tell God. Ma, don't tell him nothing. We won't do it again. <laughs> Say nothing to him. And I could hear her voice. It's better to obey than sacrifice. So I took my saxophone, I put it down, and I knelt down. And I went before the Lord. I said, Father, this is the prayer that I actually made. I said, Father, I ask you to take this bag of junk. I have ruined my name, my reputation. I've wasted it. And I have no way out. If you could do something with this, I covenant with you to go, say, do whatever you want of me. To whomever, wherever, don't make no difference. I'll go. And in 33 days, God changed my total life all around. A contract for my life was taken off. The district attorney turned me loose in New York City. And I walked clean and out. About 15 years ago, 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, my pastor says, John, let's go get the concealed hand weapons license. It's pastor, pastor, I don't want to do that. I don't need that. I was afraid that the record would show up and I don't want, you know, I don't have nothing to hide, but I don't have to be showing my dirty wear either. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> pastor, no, no, no. Come on, John. You, you know, you're with me all over the world. You need to do it. Okay, pastor, I'll go with you. So I went, we did the test. We did the FBI, the whole thing. And three months later, I get a, my license in the mail. No record, no nothing. Because when God intervenes in your life, brother, sister, he'll take care of everything. Of everything, he'll take care of it for you. You serve a good God. A good God. God loves you, brother. God loves you. God loves you. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. I want to help you to receive Jesus. If you're hiding back there and you need to receive Jesus, do it with me too. <laughs> As a matter of fact, let's have the whole congregation repeat this prayer with me. <clears throat> Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I come to you, I have problems. I have situations in my life that I can't handle. And I need you to intervene. I ask you today to forgive me of all my sins, all iniquity, all those things that I've done wrong. Forgive me and wash me with the blood of Jesus. And today, I declare with my mouth that Jesus, he is my Savior. He is my Lord. And him I will serve. Now, I want you to say this with an with attitude. You know what I'm saying? A big attitude. Say, Satan, I command you in the name of Jesus to get thee behind me. Do not touch my life. Do not touch my finances. Don't touch my health. Don't touch my kids. Don't touch my marriage. You're trespassing on God's property. I rebuke you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you for this miracle. And I receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, here we go. Amen. You folks that are up here, listen to what I'm going to tell you. I want you to do three things for me. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to collect money. Just relax. <coughs> Three things. Number one, every day when you guys get up, you ladies get up, go into the bedroom, go into your car, go into a closet. The best place is the bathroom because you can sit on the throne and nobody bothers you. <coughs> and go to the Lord and say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Always start the prayer like that. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Tell them all your belly aching. Tell them all your hurt. Tell them who's messing with you. Tell them what you need. Tell them what's happening. Tell them that you're sick. Fight with him. Curse him out. Do whatever you got to do in the throne. Because Matthew says that when you hide in your private prayer closet, your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. Just spill your beans and call it a day. The next thing I would like for you to do is get yourself a New Testament or a Bible and go to the New Testament and read a couple of verses every day. Don't, don't go read 10 pages. Because by the time you get to the 10th page, you don't remember what the first one said. Just read a couple of verses in there. And everywhere that Jesus says, you can do, take it. That means that you can do it too. It's yours. Take the promise. It's mine. Number three is this. If you don't go or assist another church, you're not a member of another church, and you need a church, this is the church you need to be in. Because you see, I know the pastor. I know his dad. I know him. I know that he has studied and prepared himself to bring good food. And he will help you to, to grow in the things of God. And come here and let the church help you. If you run into trouble and you need help, come to the pastor. And he will assign people that will pray for you until you get out of that situation. Amen. Welcome to the body of Christ. You know something, brother? You're just as saved as I am. And I've been in this racket 70 years. See, there's no big and there's no little. We're all saved. You see, that's beautiful. God's going to solve your problem sooner than you expect. So fear not. Sweet. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Bless you, my brother. Bless you, sister. Bless you. Do it right. Pótate bien, que no te cuesta. Bless you, sweetheart. Be tough for God. Yes, sir. Be tough for God. You're tough outside, now be tough for God. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life, buddy. Let him raise you up. You'll be all right. Bless you, my brother. Bless you. Bless you. Okay, you guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. Okay, real quick. I want the whole church to come up now. Everybody, get up here. Come on, we're going to do a prayer to get the altar straightened out and fixed up. And yes. God's in the construction business. He started as a carpenter. Now he's a contractor. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do a prayer and you're going to repeat it with me. Don't let the enemy accuse you of what you've done, 
You've been lazy. I haven't read the word. I haven't prayed. I haven't. Forget about all that junk. God is in the new restoring business. And God does not repair. He does it new. Make this prayer to the Lord from your heart. Not to me. I can't. I got to do prayer for myself. <laughs> you need to do it for you to the Lord. Do it with a sincere heart. And when you walk out of this place this morning, listen, you're going to walk out of here with a new page. You're going to walk out of here with your altar all repaired. And then it's your job to keep up with it. And ask the Lord to help you every day. If tomorrow you make a mistake, don't sweat it. Just say, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry. Get up and keep on trucking. The Bible says that the just falls seven times and seven times he gets up. And when you run out of those seven opportunities, he gives you seven more. <laughs> Remember, God is the El Shaddai, not the El Chipo. <laughs> he gives you more than enough. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And because of laziness, just weariness, carelessness, I should know better. My altar needs repairing. I recognize it. And I blame myself. I don't blame no one else. But today, your word declares that I can call upon you in the day of trouble and you would answer me. But not only did you say you would answer me, you said you would show me a great and a mighty thing. So in the name of Jesus, I ask your forgiveness. And I'm asking you to restore my altar. Bring it to the way it's supposed to be. Make it new. Give me strength to serve you. To be faithful to the end. And I covenant with you to do my part. To be faithful to your cause. I ask this in the name of Jesus. And for your glory. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. See, we can, we, we, can have a, we can have a devil rebuking service here and start casting out all kind of foul spirits and demons and stuff. Let me tell you, I tell the Lord, okay, Lord, let's get the show on the road. And God will start opening my wind, my, my, my eyes, and I'll start seeing stuff. And I know what he's talking about. But there's no need to do that. God is a good God. God is, a, you know, I said yesterday, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He loves you. You know, I got problems with these guys that come around ministering and they grab a lady in the name of Jesus. Oh, boy, you don't do that. The Bible says that a woman is, a, is like a flower, fragile. So you respect God and you respect his flowers. So arise. Be tough. You're a tough dude out there. You think you are anyway. Be tough for Jesus now. Be tough for Jesus. Don't let your friends guide you off to the wrong place.